I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, October 5th, homecoming edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week I am joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Tonight, the fourth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, who are 5-0 on the season, will take to the field for their first home night game of the year as they welcome in the number 25 Michigan State Spartans. Mark D'Antonio's squad enters the game at 4-1 on the season. The game will kick off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time and will be ABC's Game of the Week, so it will feature Chris Fowler on the call, former Ohio State captain Kirk Herbstreet providing color commentary, and Maria Taylor on the sideline. Now, since you are listening to the Land Grant Holy Land podcast, I will recommend that if you go back a few days, I got a chance to talk to Kirk Herbstreet about the Ohio State team this year. He had a lot of good things to say, so whether you consider him a true Buckeye or not, he's very much on board with the Buckeyes this season. As always, the game can be heard on 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary, with Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. The temperature in Columbus is expected to be a very nice 69 degrees at kickoff with 0% chance of rain. We'll see if that holds up. The sun goes down tonight at 7.08 p.m., so the game will be completely under the lights. The line for the contest has Ohio State minus 21 points at Bovada as of recording time. You might be able to find it at 20.5 or even 20 points at other places if you look hard enough. The over-under for the game is set at 49.5 points. The Buckeyes are 4-0 against the spread following their season-opening victory over Florida Atlantic. The Spartans, however, are just 2-3 against the spread this season, covering only against Western Michigan and Northwestern. We will have much more about Sparty's record on the season in just a few minutes. But first, on Friday, head coach Ryan Day released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and it seems that Ohio State is actually getting healthier as they head into the sixth game of the season. After missing last week's contest against Nebraska, starting right tackle Brandon Bowen has been cleared to return, as has backup defensive end Tyreek Smith. The game time decisions for the week will include senior captain H-back C.J. Saunders, who is looking to play in his first action of the 2019 season as well as tight end Rashad Berry and defensive end Tyler Friday. Also out will be freshman wide receiver Cameron Babb, senior defensive tackle Noah Donald, sophomore wide receiver Elijah Gardner, freshman safety Ronnie Hickman, sophomore linebacker Taraja Mitchell, and sophomore defensive tackle Teron Vincent. 
With Ohio State getting healthier, there have been a few moves of note on the depth chart. Javante Jean-Baptiste is now listed as Chase Young's backup at one of the defensive end positions, while Zach Harrison has been moved to the third spot behind Jonathan Cooper and Tyreek Smith on the other side. As a reminder, the Horseshoes Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-F-I. As always, Ohio Stadium gates will open two hours before kickoff, so that is 5.30 p.m. tonight. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours prior to kick if you would like to make your way inside to get seats for the Skull Session. So that will be 3.30 p.m. this afternoon. Skull Session will get underway at 5.10. The ramp entrance will begin at 7.20 tonight for Tibiddle, followed by a traditional single-script Ohio pregame. The halftime show will be entitled One Giant Leap and will feature what I am sure will be a stunning performance by the Flute Studio Piccolo. Now, moving on to something completely different, the Spartans come into the game ranked but seemingly unsteady. Following decisive wins against Tulsa and Western Michigan to open the season, MSU lost to Herm Edwards' Arizona State squad by the rock-throwing score of 10-7. Then, after handling Northwestern 31-10, Sparty had to gut it out for a 40-31 victory over Indiana last week. Yes the same Indiana that Ohio State beat 50-10. to We will get much more into the numbers and the matchup shortly, but before we do, we will take a short break, but then we will be back to chat with 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are joined, as always, by 610 WTVN's Lori Schmidt. How are you, Lori? It's, uh, you're out walking the dog, huh? Yes, Kodak and I are uh, just enjoying the beautiful, balmy weather here in central Ohio. Yeah. Um, all right, Lori. Well, let's get into this weekend's Ohio State-Michigan State game uh, after the first— You don't want to talk more about Kodak? I'm sure you could. Uh, I'm sure if we, want, <laughs> if we wanted to, you could talk nothing about let's, your dog. Let's not do that. Okay. Yeah, let's not <laughs> do that to our listeners. Yeah, that's a different podcast. Um, so, but again, Ohio State, Michigan State, this game is the latest potential test for Ohio State. They obviously passed last week's Nebraska test with flying colors. However, this one will be slightly different because as opposed to Nebraska, who we thought that they would be giving Ohio State's defense a test with their high-powered offense that didn't happen now it's kind of the flip side with Michigan State's defense presumably giving Ohio State uh the biggest test possible obviously their defense is one of the best in the in the country Lori what is it about this defense that you think makes it stand out as opposed to maybe some of the other ones in the upper echelon of college football a lot of it is experience um, Michigan State as a team returned more starters than any other team in the FBS this year, and eight of those starters came from the, the defensive side of the ball, where that very same defense, uh, with you know three defections to the NFL and whatnot, uh, they were number one in run defense last year, and they brought that unit back almost intact. 
so they have a lot of experience. They are well, well coached uh, by a coaching staff that has been with them for a while. So there's some consistency there. And there's consistency in personnel. Their middle linebacker, Joe Bocci, has started. This is his third season starting, Matt. So there's a lot of experience on that side of the ball. They know what they are doing. They don't do anything fancy, so they do it very well. There's just a lot of sort of institutional knowledge that's gotten passed down, and these guys have absorbed it. And you mentioned the fact that Michigan State doesn't do anything fancy. They don't do anything super complicated uh, on on defense. But what they whatever it is that they do has been mostly consistent and mostly successful, save for last week's game uh, against Indiana, which was, uh, you know, an, an odd outlier. But what I th- find really interesting is that this weekend's test is going to be a a strength versus strength matchup, which, as you said, they have this in- incredibly strong run defense. They're currently fourth nationally in terms of, of rush defense, giving up only uh, 55.8 yards a game. But Ohio State's J.K. Dobbins is currently second nationally with one, one over 130 rushing yards per game. And he's not even really playing most of the second half in those games. That's going to be a battle that it's a something's got to give kind of matchup uh, when Ohio State is running the ball. He is not playing the entire game. And even in the part that he is playing, they are rotating him in with Master Teeth. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, J.K. has been extraordinarily impressive this year after the first game, which even Ryan Day said that there were some odd things about that contest against FAU. But, uh, you know, back to Michigan State and, and their defense, yeah, they are they are very stout up front. They have one of the better line, defensive linemen in the conference, uh, Kenny Willekes, um, who 11 quarterback hurries. That's an incredible number to me. Yeah. And it's um, – you talk about last week's game against Indiana. That is really, really interesting to me because Indiana obviously has Michael Penix Jr. as their quarterback, who's an athletic kind of guy. Um, I am not sure that the schedule makers didn't do Michigan State a favor in giving that to the Spartans as a warm-up for Ohio State because hmm. they can get some of those things ironed out this week. Now, they repay the favor by having uh, Michigan State pace Wisconsin on the road right after taking the Buckeyes on the road. But uh, so they're not getting any Christmas cards from East Lansing for the scheduling favor of having prepared them for Justin Fields by giving them Michael Penix Jr. But Ryan Day this week said when you see a defense get like a Michigan State, which is a quality, well-coached defense, get exploited – He's not necessarily thinking that that is something that he can exploit them with the next week. And what Indiana did, dink, dunk, and then go over the top. So um, Ryan Day might look at that as a potential option, but you can be sure that's not going to be the only arrow in his quiver this week. Yeah, and that was your question. You actually asked him about that. If you see something on film, do you think that's still going to be available the next week? So I think that was a a really insightful look into how coaches balance what they see on film versus knowing that a coach like Mark D'Antonio is a fantastic coach and is probably going to try to remedy those things uh, in the week in between those games. So um, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Brian Lewerke has been Michigan State's quarterback since, I believe, 2001, and um, he's coming off of a year. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the pity laugh, Lori. Um, he... No, no, that's okay. Was, was that the year Chris Stamble was there? That <laughs> they is overlapped. the quarterback that I would, that is the quarterback that I think I would compare Lewerke to. Yeah, well, let's get to it. Lewerke had a really kind of a miserable 
2018, and I'm not just talking about stats. I mean, like, yes, stats, but he was also hurt for most of the year. But he's mm-hmm. back and healthy this year, and he's having a much more impressive season, not only as a passer, but people forget that he actually is kind of an athlete and can move as well. Yeah, it, he. Um, if Ohio State fans remember last year's game, he actually uh, shared time in that one because he was coming back from that shoulder injury, and it just it wasn't working for him. So that's that they had to rotate him out of that year last year's game against the Buckeyes. Lori, would you say that it wasn't low working for him? Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm more sorry. than a pity laugh. I'm that sorry. is that is a genuine guffaw, okay. my friend. Thank you, thank you. All right, sorry. Go ahead. But uh, this year, he looks like. He might very well be the next Michigan State quarterback that you see in the NFL and go, what does he do in college again? Um, because the, the Michigan State just seems to sort of send those guys to the pros. But uh, he is, he's actually leading the Big Ten in yards right now. And that's partly because Justin Fields isn't playing the entire game, every game, any game. Uh, but yes, Brian is finding a little bit of a rhythm. Well, and that'll be an interesting test for Ohio State's uh, defense as well. But one thing that I noticed, and you pointed this out, is for whatever reason, maybe just because the state of Ohio is such a great producer of high school talent, uh, Michigan and Michigan State always seem to have some good players from the state of Ohio. When you look at some of the top players on Michigan State, about half of them are from the state of Michigan and half of them are from Ohio. Yeah, interestingly enough, Michigan State has six interceptions this year. Uh, they're doing pretty well in that category, and they're by six different players. Now, three of those players are from Michigan, and three of them are from Ohio. I mean, that just sort of tells the tale for me uh, of what Michigan State has done well in recruiting, which is find some of those players from the state of Ohio that went unrecruited by the Buckeyes. Poster child for that is a guy that we already talked about, Joe Bocci. So, uh, yeah, that that is definitely something that Mark D'Antonio, he knows the area. He's been good here. He sort of does what uh, Luke Fickle is known to do, find a a player who is uh, sort of underrated and then develop that talent. You mentioned that Mark D'Antonio knows Ohio, which is obvious not only has he been at Michigan State for uh, over a decade, but he came from uh, Ohio State at at one point as well, won a national title under Jim Tressel as the defensive coordinator. Now, Lori, I know you were just starting your career uh, in the first few years when Mark D'Antonio was in Columbus, but do you have any interesting recollections or memories of his time in Columbus? I do not, but I do... (laughs) remember he's he's not a very interesting guy i mean i mean that lovingly but i do remember another guy on his staff with ohio state ties which Ah. is jim bowman yeah jim bowman's still on mark d'antonio's staff no longer the offensive coordinator they did a little bit of shuffling with their staff this year um and so uh, uh jim bowman is no longer coordinating the offense um that's been sort of an interesting switch. They also have Paul Haynes on staff, which many Ohio State fans will remember. He was a coach on the Buckeyes staff at one point. So, yes, the the ties are extensive. By the way, Kodak, Kodak just found a Buckeye on the ground. Don't let those him eat them. Those are, I hear those are poisonous. Um, yeah. Um, now, uh, you mentioned, that obviously, the, the Jim Bowman connection as the former offensive coordinator. The current defensive coordinator for Michigan State also – has connections to Ohio State because he is the nephew of former Ohio State National Championship winning head coach Jim Trestle, and that's Mike Trestle. That's correct, and he's been doing that job for a while, which, again, feeds into that continuity that we talked about. 
on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I, I do want to mention before we leave today, one area where Michigan State has not experienced continuity, and that's on the other side of the ball at left tackle. They are on their fourth left tackle of the year. They still have three guys, uh, two left tackles that are listed as out this week, one that's listed as a game-time decision, but they are on their fourth guy at that position. Bill has done a pretty good job considering, I mean, I don't even know who Ohio State's fourth left tackle would be. Um, I'm sure they'd do some shuffling. And if Michigan State loses this guy, I'm not so sure they don't bring in the Nebraska kicker, uh, <laughs> which which we talked about last week. They were experiencing problems there. So, um, yeah, that's just one area where they have been remarkably unfortunate. And I'm sure that that is something that Ohio State and Chase Young in particular are going to look to exploit. <laughs> I'm sure he is licking his lips on the, on that side of the line looking to get out. I don't know if he Lord. has lips. Remember, he might not be human. He might be an alien. That's right. There was a big discussion about that this past week. He, uh, uh, Mark D'Antonio, did he, did he, it was just a, because Mark D'Antonio was kind of a weird, quirky guy. What was his, do you know what his exact quote was? He basically said like he doesn't play like a human. What was the, the quote that he said? The question was, is there someone you can compare Chase Young to? And Mark D'Antonio's initial answer was, I'm not sure that I have thought of Chase Young in a human context. <laughs> That's such a weird answer. I just, of course, Mark D'Antonio said that. Yes. Yeah, uh, that, that is his brand of humor. Like, And then he did this little smirk, and there was this nervous chuckle in the room. Like, reporters were thinking, <laughs> that was funny, but did he mean that as a joke? Well, uh, one qu quick thing I wanted to end on uh, here, Lorraine, it's not specifically about the Michigan State game, but uh, after Ryan Day's press conference on Tuesday, new secondary coach Jeff Halfley was the first assistant coach to come out and talk with the collected reporters uh, in uh, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center meeting room. And I watch all of these things from afar. You're obviously there. Um, but there is just something incredibly compelling about Jeff Halfley uh, at the podium. And I can only imagine that translates uh, exponentially to the practice field in the meeting room when it comes to players. But um, both Day and Halfley were asked about whether or not when they were coaching together uh, with the San Francisco 49ers and Dave and mentioned going back uh, even further and, and Halfley talked about them doing camps for Boston College together. Um, there's a, a mutual respect and a fondness between those two. And it really comes across not only when they're talking about each other, but how they share an opinion and a share a viewpoint to coaching and how they want to interact with the kids. I just wanted to kind of get your impressions about what you've seen from Jeff Halfley, both at the podium during press conferences during the interview breakout sessions uh, and any other times you might've uh, been able to see him interacting with players so far in his first season at Ohio state. Well, the players that play for him rave about him. Jeffrey Okuda is one of the players that we talked to this week. Sean Wade, we talked to this week. Both of them said that, yeah, and both of them have made pretty big strides this season. Definitely. They both attributed them to, to Jeff Halfley. Uh, you talk about the Tuesday press conference. I think a comment that was just as enlightening when it comes to Jeff Halfley was made by Ryan Day on Thursday, and he wasn't even addressing Halfley directly. He, this is sort of an oblique reference, but a lot of players, to an extent that goes beyond what I've experienced in past seasons, have talked about how the, the key to this team is the love that they have for one another. It's 
they're talking about brotherhood, but not in the sense of duty. It's more like actual, genuine affection. And so I asked Ryan Day about that on Thursday and said, where does that come from? And Ryan Day said it starts with the coaching staff. If you've got a coaching staff that loves one another, then the players model themselves after that. And you talked about the fondness that exists between Halfley and Ryan Day. And it is. It's there and it's obvious. Um, I think that Ryan Day is saying that that is key to the players' chemistry, which is really interesting to me on a number of levels. One, um, you think about assistant coaches as sort of the ultimate mercenaries in college football. They, they, ha- they almost have to be. They can't afford not to be. But Ryan Day is saying, no, no, there's got to be a genuine affection and loyalty there. And then the other thing about that that is interesting to me is that Ryan Day made a point to talk this week about the consistency that you see in the Michigan State staff. And I can't help but wonder if that's not something he hopes to emulate at Ohio State. I don't know how possible that is, but that he is hoping that by getting a staff that likes each other, that accomplishes great things together, that he might not see not the same level of, of continuity, but at least a relatively comparable one with his own staff. Um, so that, that'll be something that I'm really interested in watching down the road. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with the early success of this rebuilt coaching staff, uh, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, how they've been able to turn that that side of uh, the team around fairly quickly. So hopefully, for Buckeyes' sake, they'll be able to maintain some consistency on that side uh, for the foreseeable future, because uh, if it goes as well as it has in the first five weeks, that should be a pretty exciting thing for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. Well, Lori, thanks so much for uh, talking to us while you were walking your dog. Um, and uh, by the time people hear this, the Columbus Blue Jackets opening night uh, home game will be over, but that is where you are heading now. So I hope you uh, have a great night at Nationwide, and uh, I look forward to talking to you in two weeks since next week is one of Ohio State's open dates. I look forward to saying hi to the people on the blue carpet for you. <laughs> so everybody's on brand with uh, with all of these things. The blue carpet, that's perfect. Yes, yes, the Blue Jackets, blue carpet. Uh, looking forward to asking Nick Foligno, what are you wearing? <laughs> Do the players actually walk ahead of time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, fancy. Very yeah. fancy. Yeah. Right. Foligno has promised to spaz it up. Um, then he said what I meant to say is dazzle it up. But judging by the way that hockey players dress, Either one is actually equally likely. Yeah, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. All right, Lori, have a great time, and we will talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Matt. Don't forget to tune into the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game. We will be back with a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. The Ohio State and Michigan State football series began all the way back in 1912 when MSU beat the team that would eventually be called the Buckeyes by the score of 35 to 20. 
The teams didn't play again until 1951, but it wasn't until 1959, in their fourth try, that Ohio State got its first win over the team from East Lansing. However, since 1953, the Spartans have never won three consecutive games in the series and haven't won two in a row in this century. Overall, the Buckeyes own a 32-15 record against Michigan State. However, as all good Buckeye fans know, MSU has been a constant thorn in Ohio State's side over the decades, systematically popping up its head to pull the upset in the most inopportune of times. Artia Williams did the ever-unenviable task of chronicling some of the most painful games in the series' history, including 1974, 1998, 2013, and 2015. For me, 1998 will always be the most personally painful. I was a senior in high school, and it looked like John Cooper had finally put together a team capable of getting over the proverbial hump, but... The Spartans, coached by some no-name upstart Nick Saban, ruined all of Ohio State's championship dreams, and I ended up throwing a lot of things in the living room. But I digress. Heading into Week 6, Football Outsiders' F-plus model has OSU ranked as the second-best team in the country, while they have Michigan State at 16th. Moving over to the SP Plus ratings from ESPN's Bill Connolly, though the Buckeyes stayed at second this week, they moved up within three-tenths of a point behind Alabama for the top spot. OSU remains the only team in the country with a top five SP Plus rating on both offense and defense. Their offense stayed at fifth after last week's win over Nebraska, but their defense moved up two spots and is now currently sitting in third. SP Plus has Michigan State as the 21st best team in the country with the second best defense, one spot ahead of Ohio State if math isn't your thing, but their offense is 62nd according to the analytics. Connolly's data projects a 33-16 win for the Buckeyes and gives the home team an 84% win probability. But last week, SP Plus projected a 39-20 win over Nebraska, so take that for what it's worth. College football nerd's computer model has Ohio State winning 27-19, with OSU rushing for just 2.92 yards per carry and throwing for 7.63 yards per passing attempt for an average of 4.82 yards per play. They also have Michigan State going for 2.73 yards per carry, 5.14 yards per pass, which equates to 4 yards per play. And honestly, looking at all of these algorithms and analytics, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, because what their numbers are telling me does not seem to match up with what we've seen on the field so far this year, but we'll get into that. In his game preview for Land Grant Holy Land, Archad Peltier said that he thinks that the upset probability is around 20%, but thinks that it will be much more difficult for Ohio State to put up 40 points against Sparty's defense. He concluded his article by saying, quote, The Spartans' offense doesn't seem too threatening, since it still mostly lacks a run game. But Brian Lewerke has been a little better at creating explosive passing plays than you might expect. But this shouldn't matter much if Ohio State's offense finds any kind of success. Coming into the game, the Spartans have the 7th best defense in terms of total yards allowed per game, giving up just 253.8. Ohio State is 2nd in that category with 223.8. As I mentioned with Lori, Michigan State is the 4th best rush defense in the country, giving up only 55.8 yards on the ground in each contest. 
However, they are only the 71st most prolific offense in the country, accumulating only 413.6 yards per game, while OSU is 8th with 535.6. MSU quarterback Brian Lewerke is 4th in the conference in passing yards per game with 265 and is tied with Illinois' Brandon Peters and Minnesota's Tanner Morgan for 2nd with 10 touchdown passes. Of course, Justin Fields leads the way with 16. The receiver most often hooking up with Lewerke is senior Daryl Stewart Jr., who has 35 receptions through five games for 111.2 yards per game, with a total of three touchdowns. While Buckeye running back J.K. Dobbins is second in the conference with 130.8 yards per game, Spartan Elijah Collins is fourth with 82.6. Junior Antoine Simmons leads Sparty with 7.5 tackles for loss on the season, which is good for 4th in the B1G, while Kenny Willekes has 6.5 and and comes in tied for 5th. Chase Young and Malik Harrison are 2nd and 3rd with 8.5 and 8 respectively. Now, before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through a handful of the game times for some of the day's biggest non-Buckeye contests. There aren't that many, so this should be fairly quick. The big nude Saturday game will be number 14 Iowa at number 19 Michigan. That game will of course be on Fox. At 3.30 on CBS, number 7 Auburn will visit number 10 Florida. At 4 on Fox, Ohio State's last opponent, Nebraska, will host their next opponent, Northwestern, if you would like to get all of your transitive property reconnaissance done before kickoff. Other than that, it's a pretty thin slate on paper, which usually means it's going to be an incredibly bonkers weekend actually on the field. Anyway, back to Ohio State, who will be looking to avoid the historical traps of a game against Michigan State as a highly ranked squad. Throughout the last few weeks, Ryan Day has talked about how his team has yet to be forced to play a four-quarter game, and you never actually know how a team will respond in one of those situations until they are actually in one of those situations. Well, for better or for worse, I don't think that they're going to have to be in one of those situations this week. For everybody pumping the brakes on Ohio State's early season success because Buckeyes ain't played nobody, the only team of any consequence that Sparty has played is the Sun Devils, and they lost 10-7 at home to Herm Edwards and Arizona State. Beyond that, I'm not quite sure why everyone is especially fond of a defense that allowed 31 points to Indiana last weekend. The slate of opponents that Michigan State has beaten is no better than those that Ohio State has beaten, so I'm not convinced by their defensive prowess, especially considering that the Buckeyes have outscored the Spartans 74-9 in the last two seasons, both of which Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator. Certainly, I don't expect the Buckeyes to put up Indiana or Miami of Ohio-type numbers tonight, but I could see this game being in the ballpark of Cincinnati, I think that J.K. Dobbins will run for his fourth 100 rushing yard game of the season, though I don't think that it will be much more than that. Fields, I see having a little bit more success than he has in recent weeks after the Hoosiers provided a pretty solid game plan to moving the ball against Sparty. Yes, I think that Laurie's point about D'Antonio working on some of those issues that appeared on film holds some water, but what will he have to give up to scheme his players into position to prevent those sort of passes? I'll say that Fields throws for 250 yards, three touchdowns, and runs for 40 to 50 more yards and another score on the ground. With the MSU O-line as beat up as it is, I would expect the TFLs to be plentiful tonight for the Buckeyes. Look for Chase Young to pick up at least a pair of sacks, increasing his national lead in the category, and getting him to double digits halfway through the season. 
And while the Buckeyes might not be able to score at will against Michigan State, I just don't see Lewerke and company being able to do much to put up any offense of their own. So because of the field position advantage that I think the Buckeyes will enjoy all night long, I'm going to go with a pretty optimistic 42-9 in favor of the home team. All right, that's all I have for today. As always, Lane Grant and Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I'll be sending out random conglomerations of letters, gifts, memes, maybe a little bit of insight on Twitter during the game. So please follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33. You're home for all of Land Grant and Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt and her station at 610 WTVN News. I am on Twitter at BWWMAT as well. That's BWWMATT. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one of a kind podcast network, where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspectives on sports and the Buckeyes, unlike any other OSU podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks.